Good day, my friends. Well, you can breathe a sigh of relief because this is my final push for asking you to vote for an older gay guy show podcast in the LGBTQ category for the 2023 People's Choice Podcast Awards. Voting closes on Monday, July 31st, and you won't have to listen to me ramble on about the podcast awards until next July. But I will ask this last time that if you are a fan of this show and want to show your gratitude for all the free content that comes to you each year, please take the five minutes necessary and stop listening right now and go to podcastawards.com and then follow the instructions that are down in the show notes below and cast your vote to give me my seventh nomination trophy. Monday is the final day of voting, so please don't delay. Do it now. I've mentioned that I deliberately planned this sweeps period of shows to be the reissue of the sexual content that I had removed from the episode list by putting these shows back on the air during the judging period, which I'm hoping was a decent decision. I wish there was a way that I could be a fly on the wall and see how many seconds, I won't even say minutes, but how many seconds each judge listens to my show before they are horrified and hit stop, delete. As these story times all have an erotic component, it would be fun to know those stats. But there is no way to know that, unfortunately. But the 2023 sweeps period continues all the way until Monday, September 11th, becoming the longest sweeps period that I have ever offered. A total of 10 sweeps period shows. And I truly hope you are enjoying this year's slate of episodes. And I do want to thank all all of you who have voted for the show already, you are by far the best fans that any show could ask for. And I love all of you. Truly, truly, I do. In today's episode, I bring back a re-edited show from the early years of an older gay guy show. And I talk about how bodybuilders prepare for contests and my role as their prep guide. Along the way, I will discuss the intense body-shaving aspect of their contest preparation and the rigors of learning to flex properly. And then, towards the end of this episode, I tell you a story time about two college-age guys that were flexing in the locker room of my old gym when they thought no one else was around. I hope you enjoy this episode, which will be followed up with a Guy's Flexing Part 2 as the final episode of this year's Sweeps Period. In that conclusion of this series, I will tell two more story times about unusual things that happened when guys that wanted to do body prep had their body shaving end up going in an unexpected way. <laughs> This is a funny and erotic episode that I will conclude the 2023 sweeps period with, and that will be on Monday, September 11th. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here is Guys Flexing Part 1. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com. And good day, good people. This is Joey Hernandez. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. You know, truly one of the greatest benefits of being a personal trainer and working in gyms is sometimes you get to observe, critique, and at times even physically assist guys in flexing their muscles. As a trainer, I worked with many guys as they prepared for contests, and I would take them through their paces in how to do compulsory poses, 
and it helped them create individual and artistic posing routines to music. But like so many of the things that I've talked about in previous podcasts, sometimes the best things are those that are unexpected, tantalizing, and, well, slightly voyeuristic. Now, I've talked about how over many years I've worked in gyms and how you become sort of desensitized to seeing naked guys parading around, at least in the past. And we've talked about how that has kind of changed. But still, I've done it for so many years and seen so many naked guys. And locker rooms, showers, steam rooms, saunas, each of these areas contain, well, naked men. After a while, a naked guy is a naked guy. And probably that's really hard to understand (laughs) because sometimes there are naked guys and then sometimes there are naked guys. But seldom do you end up seeing something that you haven't seen before. And I'll say seldom do you see something because in this ever-changing world of what's now named fluid sexuality... All bets are off for what lies beneath one's clothing. But I explained that I'm not one to go super crazy over a guy that's completely naked. Been there, done that. And, well, probably done him. (laughs) Kidding. Sort of. Now, the... (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Really, I really am. No, I've said that partially clothed guys... That's really what gets me going. Like the first shirtless guys in very early spring, the jock guys that dare wear flip-flops in the Northeast in January, stepping over snowdrifts with their toes freezing and turning blue. Now for foot people, that's exciting. Let me tell you, seeing a guy that has the balls and the toes to be able to walk around in flip-flops in January in Boston. That's pretty impressive. But also, people like the passed-out guy that's on the subway late at night, and he's lying kind of across the seats, and he's passed out, and maybe his shirt's pulled up a little bit, and you see just that little treasure trail of hair that runs down from his navel. Oof. A guy sitting in a library with the knees ripped out of his jeans so that you can see part of his muscular, hairy legs. These are the kinds of things that I find provocative. And along the same lines, a muscular guy in just his underwear opposing trunks, flexing his muscles so hard that the veins in his neck bulge and an expression of strain and determination on his face... Ah, yes, well, that can certainly, certainly be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Lordy, who would not want to talk about that? Today's very, very cheerful topic, because I love, love talking about bodybuilding stuff. And so we shall. My name is Joey Hernandez, and this is Guys Flexing, episode of An Older Gay Guy Show. Right here on our big show. That last thing was supposed to be Ed Sullivan. I will admit a very bad impression of Ed Sullivan. Now, if you're my age, I'm sure you've watched his show. You know what that's about. If you're one of these young people that are like, Ed Sullivan, who? Fuck you, that's who. You young people, I just want to suck the very youth out of you. Now, I would think that most gay guys would know exactly what guys flexing their muscles is all about, what it looks like. But just in case you are not familiar with the term, what flexing does is you place your body and a particular muscle or a muscle group in a particular position that best shows that muscle off. And in the process, you are squeezing these muscles While you're in this particular position, you're squeezing these target muscles and you're getting extra blood flooded into them and therefore they pop and they show really nice definition. 
So the first contact that I have with doing flexing with guys, the the very first contact I have is when I first meet a client, I will go over all the stuff I normally do, you know, my introduction, speeches, and all that shit, and then we'll do body measurements. And then I tell them that no matter whether they are in fairly good development or they are far, far out of development, doesn't matter. I try to get everyone to do some flexing or posing. You can call it posing as well. Flexing is more, you know, you put up your arm, you squeeze it, you show off your particular muscle. You could be seated, you could be walking down the street, whatever. Posing is more when you get your entire body in line, and I'll talk about that in a second. But when <laughs> when guys first come to me and I tell them ahead of time I'm going to measure you, as I said in the, uh, I think it was the second episode about life as a gay personal trainer, I talk about how some guys will come in shorts so that they can be measured. Some guys come in their underwear or a jock strap, and some guys oh ever so conveniently forget to wear underwear and so therefore they're naked. But either way, I try to get guys to eventually work up to doing some flexing. And the benefit of that is not just because, you know, you're you're an out of shape person and by flexing you can imagine yourself standing on a bodybuilding stage. That that really isn't the deal. What it's more about is that one of the targets that we do in training is we try to get as much blood as possible into the particular muscles that we're working because the protein fibers of the muscle get microscopically torn as you work out. And by flexing, you'll keep blood in the muscle longer. If you want more information about that, go over to my fitness podcast, Beginner Diet and Fitness Podcast. I do talk about it somewhere in there. So I try to get everyone to learn to flex. And my plan is when I get my YouTube channel going is that I'm going to try to get all my viewers to participate in some flexing and possibly email me some videos of what they're doing and I can make some critique and uh, it can kind of be a, like a fun guy bonding kind of thing. So uh, that's down the road a little bit. And once I got fairly confident with helping clients do basic flexing and posing, you know, they, they weren't people that were preparing for contests. They were just guys that were looking to lose some body fat and to gain some muscle, and they wanted to look their best. And flexing is one of the ways that you can look your best, you know, whether you are naked, whether you're wearing your underwear or posing shorts, or whether you're fully clothed, you can still flex and show off some muscle. So I do try to get everyone to do it. But shortly after that, that was when I started to actually work with guys that were preparing for bodybuilding contests. And I started with the guys that were very basic. It was their very first contest. They had no idea what to do. And I helped them training and setting up their programs as well as work on their diet, as well as work on what they would do when they were on the bodybuilding stage. And there's three kinds of flexing, three kind of categories of flexing. The first one is the one I just referenced, where no matter what state you're at, whether you're a total beginner or whether you're an intermediate or advanced, by doing flexing, by flexing your muscles to a certain degree after a workout, you can keep blood in that muscle longer. So therefore, the blood is going to help the muscle in its repair over the time that you would rest it, which would be a couple of days before you hit it again. So that's really the first one. The second kind of flexing is in a bodybuilding contest, one of the very first things you do are called compulsory poses. And that's when a stage will have all of the people in that particular category, whether it be men's at a certain weight or whether it be open where anyone that's male in all of the different categories can participate. But you'll have a stage of all of the guys lined up. And the judges will call out certain poses that they are asking you to do so they can kind of have a comparison between your body and the people that are around you. And the seven compulsory poses that people do, and you'll see them do them over and over again on the stage, 
just to give the judges an idea of comparison between people. Because after that, you begin to do solo stuff. And this is the judge's chance to really evaluate what's going on. And a guy's just wearing a little posing trunk, usually with a little number attached to it. He's barefoot, shirtless, nothing else on but those posing trunks. I want to do a 2023 insert of the original show to let you know that starting a few years ago, men now have an additional group with various weight and age categories. These are called physique competitors, and these are different from the bodybuilding categories. Now, one major difference is instead of wearing the very small posing trunks, they wear the longer board shorts that you'll see a lot of young guys wear at the beach. These will all go all the way down to the knee, thus covering the upper legs. It seems that the guys that choose to compete in these board shorts are guys that are maybe very bashful. They don't want their crotch to be seen in the posing trunks. Or maybe they don't train their legs very hard. And by wearing the board shorts down to the knees, it kind of covers up the upper legs. Or maybe they just feel like they have very small dicks and they just don't want the world to know that. I'm not sure. But the physique categories are now a staple in almost all bodybuilding contests. Okay, back to the original show. And so therefore, the judges are getting like a really good view of what their body looks. And they have them turn as they do poses so they can get a 360 degree view of a person's body. The last one is also done with contests, and that's after the compulsory posing is done. That's when individual routines will happen. In some contests, if there's not a lot of people, everyone gets to do their individual routines. In some, they'll have the compulsory during the day. They'll knock off some people, and they'll only have the finalists do their individual poses in the evening. Depends on how many people are there, the amount of time that they would have to be able to do things. And in these posing routines, people will do them to music. They're on stage by themselves. And they do kind of an aesthetic dance to the music where they're moving fluidly from the different poses as well as some individual movements that are not part of the compulsory poses but just that they think shows off their musculature nicely. And those are usually about 90 seconds that you have up there to do that. You have to have some compulsory poses in that, and most people will go beyond that and do these extra kind of movements. And they're, they're all individual. Sometimes you can come up with something completely yourself. Sometimes you can pull something from a routine that you saw on a video that was done 20 years ago. So you have a lot of different options to be able to do that. But those are the three kinds of flexing that people do. So I have done just a few contests myself, bodybuilding contests, and they were in the mid-80s. By the late 80s, when I was first starting my business, that is when I started working with people on doing these contest preparations. And I would either work with people individually, or sometimes if I knew a few people, or if I was working with one client and they had a few friends that also wanted to do a contest, I'd have them do a little group thing where I would work with all of them like they were standing on a bodybuilding stage doing the compulsories. All these guys would stand together and I would ask them to do the various poses and try to have them move as fluidly as possible between them as well as you have to stand in a flexed state the entire time you are on the stage. And that unto itself is a mega workout because you may be on stage for 15 or 20 minutes depending on the number of people that are in your category and you have to stand in this flexed state the whole time. You're not showing off individual muscles but you are holding your body in such a position that you look like a flexed person. So that's exhausting. You know, if you've ever tried to flex, and I will try to get people to do that, if you've ever tried it, you know that to hold a particular pose, even for 15 seconds, and then moving to another one for 15 seconds, 
it's exhausting because when you're trying to flex your abs, you're trying to keep as much air out of your lungs and your diaphragm out of the way as much as possible. So if you're standing there in this flexed, relaxed state, it's kind of considered both, you really are holding your abs in the whole time. So your breathing is very shallow. You don't want to take too deep of a breath because it's going to puff your stomach a little bit and therefore you're not going to show as much musculature. So you're holding your abs in tight and you're doing these little shallow breaths. At the same time, you're flexing your body really hard to show off the muscles. It fucking kills. So as professional as I am during my appointments, I am ultimately a gay guy. (laughs) And I love muscle. I love the gym. I love locker rooms. I love jocks. I'm always been a part of that world and love that world. And one of the greatest things is to be able to take a 20-year-old guy who's trying to pose and you're trying to explain something, but he's not quite getting it. So you're there physically moving his leg, physically putting your hand against his stomach so that he will flex harder. It can be quite, it's not erotic, but it can be quite tantalizing, at least on my part. Probably not on the part of the guy, unless he's a gay bodybuilder. And then, you know, we really have to keep our minds on what we're doing. But straight guys, you know, (laughs) straight guys can be dumb as a rock. And, uh, you know, especially when I lift weights, I pick up heavy objects and move them and put them down. They're pretty dumb sometimes. And (laughs) they're not quite getting what you're doing, so you're physically pushing their body to move into a particular way to show them. And um, that's cool, you know. (laughs) No complaints there about that part of my job by any means. I'll also help a guy pick out correct posing trunks. If they've never done a contest before, there's certain considerations when you're picking out posing trunks. You want it to be cut the way that shows your body the best. You know, if you're one of these guys that have this awesome V right down from your hips down into your legs, you know, that beautiful little V, you want to pick something that is going to show that off to its maximum. If you have a weak lower ab area, and a lot of people tend to carry body fat in the lower part of your abs, because I've said it a million times, gravity is not our friend, and everything is dropping as we age. And even a guy in their 20s, the lower abs are the harder part of the ab area to really get in shape. So if they're a little weak in that area, you want trunks that are just a little bit higher than the other ones. You have to stay within what is acceptable for that particular contest, which goes to what the particular organization is and what their requirements are, but you have some leeway on what you're doing. You also want to make sure that it is cut beautifully down through the legs, that you know it holds your dick and balls in there nicely. It's not like it's so tight you're flattened or so loose they're going to fall out. You want a nice cut there. You decide how high you want it cut on the sides of you because that's going to show off certain areas. You might want to detract from that a little bit if that's not a strong area. So picking out the cut of posing trunks can be very important. And what is majorly important is the color of trunks. You don't just go for what color you like. Certainly that's going to be something that you're going to consider, but it's more what fits with your body color the best. And when you do a contest, in preparation for a contest, you tan a lot. You do tanning bed tanning, or if it's summertime, you can lay out in the sun tanning. And then additionally, you put on what's called protan, this liquid that you coat your body with over and over again to bring out darkness in you. Because the darker you are, the better your muscles are going to show. So you've got to try to find the right trunks that are going to fit the color that your body's going to end up. So sometimes when it really gets down to the nuts and bolts, you know, I have a bunch of trunks, all different colors, and I'll have guys try things on, giving them a little bit of color, even though it's just kind of quickly splashed on, but just to see how that color works with their particular body. That's really important. So, you know, picking out the trunks can be kind of fun. (laughs) 
no doubt about it, you know. It's one of the joys, again, of my job. But in contest preparation, there is no room for being anything but professional and focused. You don't want to be clowning around or laughing. You want it to be very serious because a guy has worked sometimes up to a year ahead of time getting ready for this contest. You don't want to fuck it up for him by, you know, laughing and clowning around and and not paying attention to what you're doing. It's so important. That guy will be on stage for the compulsories for maybe 15 minutes, and then he's got 90 seconds one minute and 30 seconds to really show himself off individually on that stage. And so it's all business and it's all serious. But afterwards, as I think back on these, there are some wonderful, beautiful stories that I will tell you as time goes along. So then once we're at a stage where a guy has basically learned the compulsory poses, we're in the process of working on his musical individual routine, he's now selected his posing trunks, now we begin to really work on the compulsories, the compulsory poses. And what you're trying to do and keep in mind is that you're not just trying to show off the muscles that are the dominant muscles in each of these poses, but rather the entire time, much like that flexed, relaxed stance, you have to have your entire body in position and flexed at the same time. So it's very much an exhausting thing, but it's very much something that a guy has to work on for hours upon hours upon hours. Because in these individual poses, as the body is turning, the judges are not looking just at, say, it's a back shot and your body is completely turned, so your back is facing the audience, and you're doing a lat spread, which is the the lat muscles, the lower part of the back that fan out. What you're doing is you're fanning out those muscles and flexing the back, but at the same time, you have to pay attention to your legs. You have to pay attention to how straight you're standing. You have to pay attention to where your arms are. There's all different things that you need to think about. You have to think about the entire body at one time. So when I do work with someone on compulsory poses and individual routines. We will do session after session after session practicing. I'll have them do it on their own until they can do it in their sleep, literally. What you're trying to do is you're trying to create an appearance where you look like a sculptured statue, like David, only maybe with a bigger dick. (laughs) But that David statue that's so famous You know, every part of that is aesthetically beautiful. It's beautiful as a whole, and it's beautiful if you look into the individual parts of it. Same thing you want to do when you're doing flexing for a bodybuilding contest. You want to create this statuesque appearance that the judges can view and think, you know what, yeah, that person's body overall looks better than all the others on the stage. Yes, he has some weak parts. Maybe his back isn't as wide as possible. Maybe his abs are a little blocky. But when he stands and poses and does his stuff, you don't notice that as much because the body is so statuesque. So therefore, that person is the best. It's a game that if a judge knows you and a judge likes you and maybe that judge is somehow tied to the gym that you work out at, All of that enters into it, unfortunately. I've even heard that there are payoffs with money, and I've heard there are payoffs with sexual favors. Now, I don't know any people personally that that has happened to, but again, I only work on local levels. I've never worked in the higher-up contests, the national things, and I wouldn't be surprised. I've heard those stories for years. I, I would not be the least bit surprised if that's the case. So it's weird to think here you are a young bodybuilder that's 20 and you're trying to work your way up. And if some judge you know personally and he's some old dude and he's hitting on you constantly and you feel like, you know, geez, if you want to win the contest or have a chance of winning in the contest, should you do something there's a gray area. It's like going out to Hollywood and being an actor. You hear the same kinds of things. You know, you have to sleep your way up. I don't know 
that that is true about bodybuilding. But I have heard about it where bodybuilders have talked about that kind of thing in documentaries or in autobiographies they've written. So I do believe that that is out there. It's just not a part of the world that I have lived in. So after doing this preparation with people, the next step that I went to is that I would start accompanying some people to the actual contest themselves, the day of the contest. And there's a backstage area in bodybuilding contests. They usually have some weights kicking around, nothing too heavy, but some weights. They have towels, they have stretching areas. And what you do behind stage is the day of, you know, the contest. The contest is in an hour and a half. You are pumping up your muscles to the best of your ability with what you've got there for weights and towel resistance. Someone can pull on one end of the towel while you pull on the other. Uh, You can do ab exercises and stretches. And some people just put on headphones and mellow out. And that is the last chance you have of getting your body to look the best. Usually the night before a contest, or I even prefer two nights before a contest, is when I have to make sure a contestant has stripped the hair off of their body. Because the last thing you want is to have hair covering a muscle area and you really can't see the development. So a lot of guys that are bodybuilders or bodybuilders wannabes will shave themselves regularly anyway. You know, they shave their chest and their abs and their arms and their legs and you name it, they shave it. Some guys will, a couple of days before a contest, at that time decide to get rid of their hair. And if they have extensive hair, the best way to do it is using Nair, which is a woman's product, but it kind of fries the hair off of you. I don't like people to do something like that so close to a bodybuilding contest time because if something goes wrong, if your skin has a bad reaction to it, if you leave it on too long and you burn yourself somewhere, it's going to potentially be a disaster for your contest. You might look strange. You might be in discomfort from a burn, especially in a burn in an area that you need to move and flex. So I usually like people to, if they're going to nair themselves, get it out of the way even a couple weeks ahead of time and then just maintain as you work up towards the contest. But inevitably, the night before or the night before that is when you really have to make sure that the hair on their body where your posing trunks are going to be is removed and looks proper. And this is kind of fun. (laughs) I've done this with a number of guys. It's one of the fun parts. So some guys will shave as bodybuilders. It's, it's very common even in just general guys these days, ever since the late 90s when guys really got into working out in the gym and building themselves up. Shaving their bodies has been a regular part of the metrosexual male that is out there. But some guys don't, you know, they just don't. And so therefore you have to make sure that the hair is gone because if there's hair sticking out of one little area of their trunks, even though that should not detract from their muscles, it might be noticeable enough that a judge is concentrating on that rather than the overall picture. So you're doing yourself a disservice by having any kind of hair there. Again, I'm doing a new 2023 insert here. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a famous YouTube video. I think it's YouTube. It might be on Pornhub. I'm not sure. But there's a video of one poor guy that ended up having one of his balls hanging out of his posing trunks while he's on stage. Literally, it was almost like his nut was being choked off, and it was very noticeable. There's a video online somewhere that shows this poor guy still trying to do all his posing without making the obvious adjustment to push his ball back into the posing trunks. I'm not sure where that video is, but it's definitely online somewhere. Okay, back to the original show again. Or as Rose Nylon on Golden Girls said in one episode where they were doing a telethon. Rose and Blanche were doing a telethon. And part of what Rose was going to do, she was going to play the piano and she was going to sing a song from St. Olaf 
called I Never Thought I'd Find a Hair There. That's just a little side note. Okay, so in preparing their body for the trunks, you got to get rid of all hair. Some guys have tried to just reduce it down so that they believe that what hair they have is going to be covered by the trunks. But the problem with that is as your body moves up and down and doing various poses, because your body is oiled up, what's going to happen is you're going to get some sliding of where the trunk sits. The posing trunks aren't going to stay exactly in one place. So again, you just don't want to take a chance of something popping out hair-wise that you don't want to. So the best thing, get rid of it all. So some guys have no clue how to do that. And some guys are really afraid of razors. You can't really use nair on your crotch and on your balls and around your dick. Because if you do, you're asking for trouble. Get a burn there, and that's going to throw off any poses that you think you're going to be able to do on stage because you're going to be in so much pain. So the best thing to do is to cut hair down with scissors until it's as short as you can get it, and then use shaving cream. And ever, ever so carefully, you take a razor and you take the hair off everywhere. Gay guys tend to do this very easily. They do it themselves. They have a nice little time doing it. That's not a problem. But again, when you talk about those straight guys that are really stupid and, oh, I don't know, it's going to be a razor. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, that's okay. I'll do it for you. And you may think, oh, that's, that's really hot, you know, thinking of doing that. But when you're preparing a guy for a contest and he's really nervous and he's been tanning and everything's coming together, you don't want him in any way to feel uncomfortable. So again, this is one of the things that I just kind of stay very stern and professional about while it's being done. But later when I come home at night, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> that guy is so fucking hot. Hey, I'm gay. Sue me. So I will often then take the razor and I'm sure majority of guys I'm talking to right now have done some shaving, but it's, you know, shaving around your dick ever so carefully, shaving the balls ever so carefully. That's not really the hard part. The hard part is you have to get the hair off your ass and also on your taint part there that runs between your balls and your butthole. And Again, that's just as a precautionary measure to make sure that as these posing trunks slide around, that something isn't going to show. So I've literally had straight guys bent over a counter, spreading their ass while I take a razor and carefully take all of the little hairs off around their butthole and down underneath, down towards their balls. You know, folks, it's a rough job, you know, but somebody's got to do it. So I just man up and say, okay, I can, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm the first to go, okay, I'll help. <laughs> so that's fun. But you have to be ever so careful because unless you're doing it a few days out and the guy has some time in case there's a little bumps or rash that happens, that's always the best to do it as far out as possible and then just keep it touched up. But for those idiots that the night before, okay, now it's time to get the hair off my balls and butthole, that's, uh, that's, you have to be so careful. You know, you can't do it fast. I've shaved myself so much for so many years. All I have to do is take a little water and wet a spot and take my razor and just boom, 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 and I'm done in two seconds because I, I keep it up. I shave just about every day. So it's it's easy to keep up. I wish some of these dumb as a rock kind of guys could understand that you need to do these things ahead of time and make life easy. So then, you know, once that's all off and they can't shower the night before because they've got what's called ProTan on. So once the guy is completely stripped of his hair, I'll have him stand again without posing trunks. And this is usually in his bathroom or something. And there's this liquid called ProTan that you use kind of a spongy brush and you put it all over the person's body. 
And just to make things easier, again, in case this slippage of the trunks, I put Protan everywhere on a guy. Everywhere but the soles of their feet. And sometimes I even do a light coating there just because you don't want such a contrast because when you turn and you do certain poses, your foot raises up and the judges can see the bottom of your foot. So even though it kind of gets rubbed off a little bit, I will put some Pro Tan there as well, as well as on the palms. Literally everywhere else on a person. I'll paint their dicks and balls. I'll paint inside their butt cheeks. I'll try to get it everywhere. So they can't shower the night before because they don't want that to come off. You want that color to stay on. And usually when they go to bed that night, when they wake up in the morning, their sheets are all orange because this color starts to come off. So the day of the show, when we're backstage, one of the things I will also do is to touch a person up with Protan. And usually I don't have them pull off their trunks there, even though it's all guys in that room. Usually, once in a while, you mix the two, but that's pretty rare. It's pretty much all just guys there. Theoretically, I, you know, you could drop those down and do everywhere. But what I will then do is I'll do a little bit more reaching inside the trunks and kind of doing along the very bottom of their abs. I'll go up kind of between their leg and their ball and put some color there. There. And then on the back, I won't do their butthole, but I'll make sure that all of the cheeks of their ass are done. And then once that has dried a little bit, then you start to put oil on them. Because now that you're dark, so under the lights you show better, now you want to put on some oil. But you don't want to overdo it. But you want just enough shine that your body kind of sparkles when it's out there. So you have to put on oil carefully and then you have to remove it to leave just a little bit. You have to work with finding just the right balance between too much tan and too much oil or not enough. You have to find that balance between them. And then, of course, you're helping the person also pump up and get their muscles ready for the contest. I will tell you in future episodes more about bodybuilding and contests and some of the other stories I've got about it. But I want to finish with this really cool story that happened just a couple weeks ago when I was at the gym. It's something that I haven't been able to witness for a while, and it was kind of cool. So I've talked about how I go in the sauna after I work out. And I generally do a fair amount of time going in and out, doing cold showers and drinking water and going back into the sauna. Our particular sauna, the way it is set up, is you walk in through a door that has all glass in it. So you can see out that door easily. And once you step in, the heater is on your left, and there is a long seating, double seating, lower and higher, that runs about three feet from your left all the way down to the right. And then it comes back out at that end towards where the door is. So picture a backwards L. The long part is the long benches, and the bottom part of the L that is backwards is where there's additional seating. The door is in just about the middle of where the long part of the L is. So if you are sitting on that longer part of the bench, you can see directly out the glass door, and it looks out into the gang showers and where the steam room is. And the light in this particular sauna, and it's, it's pretty old in there, I think. It doesn't look like it's maintained all that well, but it, it serves my purpose. The light often doesn't work, and I much prefer it when it doesn't work. Because I go there in a quiet time, and one of the things I like is to be able to sit in that corner, the lower part of the L that sticks out, that backwards part of the L, and sit there so that I'm directly facing the heater, the long benches are on my right, and the door is ahead of me on the left, but I can't really see out the door very much. What I can see is a little bit of an angle towards where the sink area is. I like to sit in that corner because even if the light is not working, there's so much light coming in through the glass door that that main long part of the double seating bench usually has light on it. I like to kind of stay in my own world, kind of in slight darkness. If guys come in, I talk to them, 
And, you know, I'm in the process now of working on getting my abs tight and together and getting my musculature up. And I sit in there in my underwear and flip-flops, and I would just rather, you know, there's some younger guys that come in that look incredible, you know. Here I am, 58, and I'm working towards getting to look incredible or as close to incredible as I'm ever going to get. So I kind of sit in this darkness, but I have this angled view out the glass door and I never see anything happen. I see people walk by the bathroom. Sometimes they'll go into a stall and then they come forward and now they're out of my view as they head towards the gang showers. So I just like to sit in that darkness. But I was sitting there about two weeks ago and this was in the afternoon and this was before colleges were starting to uh, have everyone come in for orientation and everything. And I was sitting in there all by myself, and it's totally quiet. There's no music playing or anything. I don't even hear voices. And I saw these two guys that looked to be just about 18. My gym has two separate locker rooms, and they, they police them. There's the under-18 guys locker room. For any guys that are under 18, they have to go over there. And then there's mine, which is 18 and over. And they are always asking people and making sure that they're of age to be there. So these guys were of age, but just like 18. And they walked by, so I saw them kind of real quick come with their towels past the bathroom, and they went towards the shower, but it's not where I could see. I heard the showers running, and I heard them talking, and they were talking about that they would be going to orientation in the next week, and it was their first year, and they were all excited about college and all this shit. So I heard the showers shut off, and I heard them toweling off themselves and talking about the summer and all that crap. And then I saw them walk by and go into the sink area. The sink area was out of my view, but directly on the opposite wall as the sinks were these bathroom stalls. And I could see a little bit of area in front of them. And these kids were wearing towels around their waists. They brought white towels. And they started flexing their upper bodies in the mirrors. I couldn't see the mirrors, but I could see them standing in front of the bathroom stalls doing it, and they were back enough that they could see their whole body as they were flexing. Now, I am in a part of the sauna that is dark because I'm in this corner. You can't see that someone is there. And even if you knew someone was there, you wouldn't know that they could see angular out the glass door over towards them. So they're standing there, and they're flexing their arms and chests with their white towels. And then, because I assume they thought they were the only ones in the locker room, you know, there was no one else out near the lockers, I couldn't hear any voices, no one else was in the showers, so I guess they assumed they were by themselves. And the first guy whips off his, his towel, and he starts posing his whole body. And then his friend's like, oh, dude, you're naked. And he's like, there's no, no one here, what the fuck? <laughs> so the other guy takes off his towel, and they're standing beside each other, flexing in the mirrors. And these guys, as I said, were between 18 and 19, because I hadn't started college yet. But they were old enough to be in that locker room. And actually, after they finished posing and they were at the sinks, I heard one of the cleaner guys come in. And he's like, you know, you guys 18? And one of them's like, yeah, yeah, I graduated. The cleaner guy's like, okay, that's fine. But they're posing without these towels, right? And I get this direct view onto their crotches while they're doing this, right? Tight, tight, beautiful abs. And they had trimmed enough that there wasn't a lot of hair there, but there was still hair there. And they were young, so their balls were super high. And their dicks, not anything spectacularly big by any means. I tend to like on the smaller side anyway. These pasty white boys <laughs> in a gym that is predominantly African-American, but these pasty white boys are doing this flexing, and I'm just sitting in there just like, oh, keep going, yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yes, entertain me. And they flexed for like 10 minutes, doing all these different poses, turning around, showing their asses, and uh, wow, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> I swear, if I had my phone, and of course I'm not going to have it in a sauna, but if I had my phone, I would be way tempted to take a shot of that. But, of course, I would not do that. 
but damn, it's the kind of thing you just wish you could burn into your mind. So that's the fun of flexing. Hey, I'll tell more stories about that in the future. Meanwhile, please do me a favor. If you have listened to the podcast and you like hearing the podcast, please subscribe. I would love to have you as a regular listener. I'm going to be talking about all different subjects coming up, some of them tantalizing and some of them interesting in other respects. So please do join me. My email to reach me, please, is an older gay guy show at gmail.com. Please send me any comments or messages. In today's world of 2023, many guys, I won't say bodybuilders necessarily, but those physique guys, they keep their bodies shaved. Not just the chest, arms, legs, abs, etc., but they also keep their dick and balls completely shaved, like baby smooth. Many are now also shaving under their arms. So literally, the only hair that they have are eyebrows, maybe some top-of-the-head hair, and maybe some well-kept facial hair, but from the neck down, not a hair can be found. And this is both gay and straight guys that like to show off their bodies as if they were actual bodybuilders. But in 2023, body hair can now be a desirable thing. But that seems to be something that's more a gay thing than a straight thing. Women seem to enjoy being with a guy that has a very cleaned up body, even shaved, rather than that old, unkept appearance. It is gay guys, many seeking what they view as, quote, real men, unquote, that have natural body hair or that they think are more masculine because they don't shave their bodies that is making a resurgence. Straight guys, especially the very well-built ones, still like to show off their muscles as much as possible, thus they are still doing a lot of shaving, more and more, all the time. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if so, I hope you take the opportunity in this last push for votes before the Monday night closing of voting. I'll be back in a few days with another Sweeps Period episode for your enjoyment. Meanwhile, my friends, enjoy the end of July. Big hugs to you guys. Bye for now.